Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm the Gnarly Gnome. This is Sensi Brewcast. It's the voice of Sensi Craft. This is the only. This is only the second time that I have done a podcast in this room. Second time out of as long as they've been open, which I don't remember how many years that is. When was the first time? Uh, right after they opened, we did a show sitting actually right here at this table. At this I very this table. is the quietest table in the room. <laughs> Maybe it might be. Was um, it this loud? Uh, yes, it was. Yes, it was actually I think louder because I don't think they had all the sound panels at that time yet. Um, we're at Nine Giant, and this is not a Nine Giant show. Although we will be drinking some Nine Giant beer. Um, this is something a little bit different. We didn't even tell them we were coming. Um, Brandon and Mike are going to be a little mad that we didn't invite them to their show and said we just hung out and drank their beer without them. But um, we need to talk about something that we've been working on. Um, Meryl, welcome to the show. Introduce yourself. Thank tell you very people, much. Tell people why you're here. Who are you? Well, you know, this is a long time coming. Uh, my name is Meryl Wood. I run Cincy by the Pint. Uh, what basically started out as a side hobby uh, almost a year ago to this day, I think it was October 9th that we started our blog. Uh, essentially, I would listen to the Gnarly Gnome at work and being a craft drinker my entire life, I was very inspired by the work that he did. And uh, ironically, I never thought I'd be on the Cincy Brewcast, so here we are today. <laughs> well, all you have to do is ask pretty much and I'll put anybody on the show. <laughs> I, you know, with, ever since Fred Board did the uh, did the podcast Monday, I felt like the last kid out in dodgeball all over again. So this is my redemption tour. So the reason we're here is that we have been working on a thing for uh, a couple months now at this point. Like what? Like probably several months. It's probably been three or four months that we've been kind of talking and doing some some planning about a beer festival, right? I I feel it was about June that we came together on this. And I don't know if we ever talked about this before, but um, when, and we'll get into what the project is, but yeah. when, when the main person approached me, um, I had no idea that the Gnarly Gnome would also be in on this project. And I thought this was all on my shoulders and I was very worried about it. <laughs> so, so when I saw uh, Andrew come in one day and sit down at the table with us to uh, basically curate this event we're about to talk about, uh, I, I, it made me very excited, and I think that Cincinnati is going to be very excited. It's going to be a fun, fun event. It's but before be we before we dive into that, we need to uh, drink a beer because that's kind of the whole point of doing a show, right? I've been waiting for this my whole life. Let's there we go. <laughs> we uh, like I said, we're at Nine Giants. So we're drinking a couple Nine Giant beers. Um, I we we both selected something, and um, we'll we'll drink on both, but. I want to start with mine first because I haven't had it yet and I'm really excited to try it. This was, so this is their fest beer called Light Years. I have been waiting for them to do something that is actually an Oktoberfest since the day they opened. And this was the first year that they finally did it. Um, and I told myself that I was going to drink some um, at, at Saunders Oktoberfest because it was on tap there. And by the time I got over there, everybody else had drank it all. <laughs> well, that's how you know it's a good selection. I, um, I, I got to Sonder and Friends Oktoberfest at like two, I think, was when I got there. By the time I wrapped up recording my show and kind of making my rounds, saying hi to people and hugging and, oh, I missed everybody so much. I did that whole thing. Um, everybody had drank most of the beers that I wanted to try. <laughs> So I just, I drank a whole bunch of Saunders Oktoberfest. I drank uh, a whole bunch of, so Chad from Narrow Path was doing the, we call it the beer stat, I think is how he said that the stick with the, the, the fire poker and you shove it in a beer and it turns it into s'mores. It was, it was so good. Um, it, wild. And the Lovetoberfest. I see. I didn't even get any Love Toberfest at the festival because it was all gone. It's still on in the tap room. <laughs> it I is was on there the today, and I can tell you, it's delicious. <laughs> um, there is so many great Oktoberfests in the city. I understand why a brewery would not make one, but at the same time, there are so many Oktoberfests in the city. You have to make one. So I, I, I feel like you kind of have to. You know, in a city so diverse with so many breweries that Cincinnati is, that you you kind of have. Not that Oktoberfest is a trend by any means, but you know, you if you're a brewery and you have a presence in Cincinnati, you have to put on some type of Oktoberfest. Right. Would you disagree? Um, I mean, I 
Yes and no. I, I'm okay if you don't make one. And I know that everybody has their different reasons, especially when it comes to lagering things. And some people can do it, some people can't, some people don't have the tank space. I get that. Um, but the selfish side of me says, yes, everybody should have an Oktoberfest. So this is a fest beer. Um, so it's the lighter side of Oktoberfest. 5.8%, uh, 25 IBUs. Um, what does their description say here? It says, can, can you explain the difference between Oktoberfest and a fest beer? Sort of. Let's read the description. So the description <laughs> says, modern German festival lager, uh, white toasty malt with subtle German noble, white? White malt? I don't know what that means. Uh, with subtle German noble hops, uh, clean with a little malty sweetness and a smooth quenching finish. So, um, Oktoberfest versus fest beer. Oktoberfest is its own category. Within Oktoberfest, you have Märzens and fest beers. Märzens are a little bit, a little bit heavier and a little bit toastier, a lot of bit toastier. Whereas fest beers are a little crisper, a little tiny bit hoppier, uh, zippier, easier to drink. ABV should be about the same between the two styles. It's just toast versus zippy. What would you say that your go-to is? Um, I I like these hybrids that are coming out. So you've yeah. got you've got stuff like you know we talked about Sonder. They're they're Mertzen. I think they call it a Mertzen. It's kind of a yeah. it's kind of a blend between the two. It's still has some of that toast, but is a little bit zippier, a little easier drinking. Um, I think October Fuel, and Evan is going to uh, give me some shit for this. I think October <laughs> Fuel has started to lean a little bit into that um, that, that hybrid kind of category. I think a lot of them have. You don't see a lot of super, super Mertzini Mertzins. Right. right. And, and that's and, the first time anybody said Mertzini Mertzins, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> I, it, it might be in the entire <laughs> history of the internet. I, you know, I, I think that's kind of just the way that craft beer is going, is that it, it's kind of a melting pot of different styles. And, um, you know, you, as a brewer, you know, you take what you like to brew, what is true to you, what you like to drink, but you also have to think about what, you know, is, is popular and what sells as well. Um, some breweries do that. Some breweries just brew true to themselves. But I think what a lot of breweries end up with is a hybrid of a lot of different flavors that, you know, they like and they think that their audience will like as well. Fits the, the, the best of both worlds, exactly. which you also have several places now that are just making both. Right. Know, they're doing a Meritzen and a Fest beer. The way, the way I think of the two different styles, Fest beer is the one you drink during the day when the sun's out and it's hot and you're, you're sweating <laughs> in your lederhosen. And then once As the, you were. <laughs> it was, it was um, hot. Yeah. And then once the sun goes down and the, it feels like the, the season just shifts all in the same day, that's when you shift to your, your Meritzen and you start drinking that. Because you know it, what? I don't think anybody's ever put that better. That's the way I do and it. And may I point out, you looked fantastic that Thank day you. at Sonder Oktoberfest. I think Gnarly Norm won the best in show. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I, I should have. Yeah. The ribbon, the ribbon came late after he left, but I, I'm pretty sure I saw it. <laughs> I, uh, I assure there was nothing that happened after I left because I stayed until everybody else was leaving. <laughs> I uh, I stayed late. <laughs> sorry, sorry to my wife. It was a it was a good time. Shout out to uh, Sonder for always putting on a quality show. Oh, and if you listen to last week's episode, whatever episode number that was, just go back one episode. We we talk about Oktoberfest and kind of what it means. That was and, a live episode, uh, wasn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. Oktoberfest is definitely a feeling, and uh, and Sonder nailed it. <laughs> um, uh, my favorite quote from the show was Danny from Sonder. Love you, Danny. Uh, that uh, a rising ship raises all tides. <laughs> That's exactly, that is the perfect uh, personification, although it's, that's not the proper word to use, of, of what Oktoberfest is. It's about that community. It's about drinking a few so that you mix up the quote. <laughs> I, I would say that quote personifies Danny in that show. <laughs> it personifies yes. Danny at Oktoberfest. The only time I think that I could see Danny having more fun is if it had been like a, uh, a winter beer festival. Uh, I think that's his, uh, his go-to wow. is the, uh, the Christmas sales. What a, what a great setup. <laughs> <laughs> Did you do that on purpose? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, we, we'll talk about the other beer in just a few minutes. Let's go ahead and let's dive in. Let's, yeah, let's we're, we're before, still finishing our fantastic, uh, before, fest beer. before we get into our festival that we are planning, let's talk about Cincy by the pint. Um, why the hell start a beer blog? 
Yeah. So um, that, that's a good, that's a question that I get a lot. So I, I have a very unique style and personality about me um, that many of you probably realize as soon as you look at my website or read my Instagram comments or anything like that. Um, I'm blunt. I'm sarcastic. I'm offensive at times. Uh, that's just my style. That's my personality. I've always been that way. Uh, but I love craft beer and I love Cincinnati. And I, um, I've been drinking craft beer for as long as I can remember. The Kroger aisle used to look much different, as I'm sure you can attest, <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, probably 10 years ago when I first started getting into it. Um, I remember looking at, uh, you know, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. I thought that was the best beer in the world. Ironically, my favorite beer when I was 21, my first beer actually when I was 21, and I'm pretty sure nobody else in, in Cincinnati or maybe the world uh, could probably attest to this was Newcastle Brown Ale. Oh. I don't know why. I, I fell in love with it. And uh, that was craft beer to me. And then I found this whole new world uh, in Cincinnati when Listerman and Rheingeist and Madtree and the, when they were all coming online and really kind of built the, the building blocks to the craft community. Um, so I was doing this for a long time and I had a very demanding day job during COVID. Unfortunately, I was laid off. Uh, a lot of time at home, a lot of time in quarantine, yada, yada, yada. Uh, so uh, a hobby was found, um, and it's actually a funny story. My wife uh, started a Instagram food blogging page, and we're very, we're both very competitive. Um, she has she has since kind of abandoned her page. Uh, she gets bored with things very easily. However, uh, <laughs> I, I I went full in and I made a website, and it kind of kickstarted my creative writing that I really used to enjoy. Uh, and ever since then, it's kind of taken a life of its own. Um, it's been about a year now. Uh, the feedback's been great. The traffic's been great. The brewery um, owners have been great to me. But honestly, I I, I hate to give you credit, but um, you know, I'll when give I, all the credit. Yeah, <laughs> when I really discovered, you know, the big players in the game. When you kind of dive into that culture and you dive into the people that came before you, as you get deeper into the community you really realize uh, the key players. And I couldn't stop listening to the, uh, the Cincy Brewcast. I, I listened to it probably, you know, I, I binged it as the kids would say on Netflix. Well, it, you can, you can, you can say that it's, you know, me that's doing all this stuff, but like it really, especially when it comes to this podcast, like it doesn't matter what I think about beer or, you know, my, my nerdiness about it. Like it's about getting people to sit across the table the same way we are right now getting people to sit and talk about beer that's what people want to hear people don't give two shits about my opinion about stuff it's well, getting it's getting all of these different voices i don't know i i, I think you're wrong i think they I, I think you have great opinions on the cincinnati craft scene um but at the same time i, I think that's why what gravitated me towards your podcast is because you talked very openly and unbiased about the Cincinnati brewery scene and you weren't afraid to share your opinion. Well, I'm definitely a little biased. Like that's, you well, know, when we, have, I've, we all I've actually, be. I've actually gotten, you know, when it, throughout the history of, of my, my blogging career, there, there's one call um, out that I, I, I can definitely do is when the, the great seltzer debate, when it, when it first started coming on the scene you were like, what the hell is this seltzer thing? And then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, you know, when you're, when you're mowing the grass, it's pretty good. No, I didn't know that. I never actually said that. So I, the only time that I will. How do you feel about okay. seltzer now? Let's, All right, so let's, let's address the let's, elephant let's, in the room. Let's go ahead and talk about seltzer on the brewcast again. Um, <laughs> I still, com, seltzer still confuses me. I don't understand why the majority of and people Smoosh are. And just came out. So, I mean, that just throws a whole wrench in everything. That's a separate, that's a separate is, episode. That's is smooge <laughs> seltzer. I, I don't and think so. I think it's its own category. I and think I, it's tasty. I, I think that the first one for me that has really kind of sat in between that new category and what quote unquote traditional seltzer, <laughs> which is, oh man, I'm going to make a t-shirt with traditional seltzer on it. Please um, do. <laughs> the, the thing that has, the first thing that I have had that has really bridged that gap has been Urban Artifact. Which you, is hilarious that they happened to be the first ones that created a seltzer that was overly fruited, but was still seltzer. Well, they're the fruit masters, so we expect that from them. But and, no, I expected a fruit smoothie. If they were gonna, if they were gonna do a, a seltzer, I expected smooch. Well, I, I I think they're smarter than that because none of their styles before have ever been heavily 
thick bodied. They, in, in the tap room, they they did the smoothie series every Saturday where you went in and it was it was draft only and it was like this big, heavy, overly fruited, thick milkshakey. Really? Milkshake is probably not the right word because it was still tart and kind of. It was <laughs> that was before milkshake was a thing, <laughs> right? But like that was the first time that I had seltzer and I was like, okay, this makes some kind of sense to me. This is something that um, is is not too sweet. It's it's made with real fruit, but it's still seltzer. It's still light and it's still crisp and it's still light. They did a, um, we're going to go way off track here. That's what we do. It's okay. Um, they did a series or a, a line, I guess, an introductory line uh, a year year ago, two years ago, that was the the light fruit tarts. So they did the Midwest fruit tarts, but they were lower in ABV. They were light. They were easy drinking. And um, uh, it was supposed to be this new thing from them. And then something clicked. I, and, and if I'm speaking out of turn, feel free to, uh, to correct me, anybody from Urban, and I will, uh, I will correct on next week's episode. But um, something clicked in, in, in their collective head, and it said, you know what, this, this could be seltzer. Like the, the people that are going to be grabbing this off the shelf are the same people that are grabbing seltzers off the shelf, the same people that are grabbing light, fruity offerings off of the shelf. And it kind of blended into this perfect little thing. You know what? That That's a very interesting point. You know, once again, I mean, Urban Artifact has done so many amazing things with sours and fruits in general. I mean, I, I, call, I always call them the fruit masters of Cincinnati. And I mean, they're, they're nationally known now for their talent of sure. brewing both sours and the the quote-unquote midwest fruit tart that they made up yeah which is now actually a subcategory so kudos kudos <laughs> to urban artifact from cincinnati but i mean I, you know i i expect fantastic things from them every time i go in there and i always like to tell the story about urban artifact i you know i i grew i i kind of cut my teeth on west coast ipas you know that that was what was sexy and cool to me when I first started drinking craft beer, um, is it not anymore? It, you know what? It, it it's still my it's still my favorite overall. I don't drink it as much as I used to because there's so many other things going on right now, including hazies, which are you know so much so so popular and so much fun to drink. And there's so many adjuncts going on, and they're just tasty. But you know, West Coast is where I really started my adventure. And when I tried sours, I just didn't have the palate for it. And I thought that I, I thought that it was it was the sours. It wasn't me. And then when I actually moved to the West Side and I, I live 10 minutes away from Urban Artifact now, I realized that the problem was me. It wasn't Urban Artifact. It wasn't Sours. I think that my palate just wasn't really there yet. You know, I liked hoppy things. I liked bitter things. Um, and it's, it was a whole brand new world I discovered. And now I can't get enough of Urban Artifact. It's a, it's a, a story, I guess, as a, as a craft beer drinker. Like, not that there's a beginning and an end but that you really do kind of drift around what you're into at any given moment. Like a, there could be one summer where all I drink is, is sour beer, sour fruited beers. And that's, that's all I want. And then the next summer it's like, oh my God, they're just lagers. That's all I need is just a bunch of really crisp, you know, just bubbly yellow fizzy yes. lagers. Yes. And then the next summer, like, screw this. I'm done. Drinking stouts this summer because <laughs> because screw everything screw all these things that we're supposed to drink right, more like right. it's just it's your your feelings of what you want at any given moment um, will change they do change and it's all part of that 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 journey and then sometimes you that journey kind of takes you off your normal path a little bit and brings something new into it sometimes it pushes something out for a year or two and you're like I I want nothing to do with that right. I'm tired of it it's it's I'm, I'm over it. But it comes back, you know, like it's, it's, that's what makes it fun. You know what? I, I think that's the, the journey of craft beer. And I think that's what's so exciting. Um, you know, what, what a lot of people don't get when they really start diving into the craft work, the craft beer world is that there's just, there's so many different styles and you can never attempt to understand each one. But, you know, trying different breweries and different releases from different breweries and different special releases and different variants of their flagships. Um, I mean, those are really exciting things to go home and just be like, I'm going to try a new beer today, right. you know, um, 
that's really the, the, the part of the craft realm that really stands out to me. And I think that's the exciting part. And I think that's what really reels you in when you first start drinking craft beer. For sure. Uh, let's go back to seltzer for a minute um, because I want to talk about our beer festival. What it beer all, festival? It all started with seltzer for me. I, uh, that's I, right. I, I, I forgot went, about this story. went to the seltzer festival. Which one? <laughs> the the first seltzer festival that happened in Cincinnati. Um, and uh, walked in and was caught a little off guard that there were no no seltzers. I shouldn't say there were no seltzers that were made in Cincinnati because shout out to Sam Adams and Truly. Uh, shout out to Truly for opening their first tap room in L.A. Uh, early next They've year. They've got that big deep oh money. Have you seen oh those commercials? Wow. Sam Adams is doing well uh, by stock now, kids. But... There were no, there were no local Cincinnati seltzers at Cincinnati Seltzer which Fest, a, which was a big disappointment. Caught me off guard, right? Um, and so I made a video. I was going to make a video no matter what about Seltzer Fest, and um, my video leaned very heavily into the fact that there were no local seltzers. So, uh, fast forward a few months, and uh, when uh, the owner of the uh, the Folding Warehouse, Joe, called me, and he said, "Hey, you." I want to have a meeting about you. I want to have a meeting with you about something that, that, that I've been thinking about. Okay. Like I'm, I'm never, well, I shouldn't say I'm never going to say no. Cause I, sometimes I will say no, but most of the time I'm not going to say no for the first meeting. Uh, so I, I went down to the, uh, the folding warehouse, sat down, say, all right, we got to talk about this video. I'm like, Oh shit. <laughs> Did he really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we never, uh, you before, never told me this before. Before we get into this, we got to talk about this video. That's funny. And I'm like, man, Joe, I'm, I'm yeah. sorry if it uh, if it pissed anybody well, off. And he's like, no, no. And he kind of explained a little bit of how the festival happened. I, I, I heard about the video. I didn't see the video, but I, I, I heard the feedback because obviously the Facebook groups, the Cincinnati you know, beer geeks are very close. And they, they took issue with no Cincinnati <laughs> seltzers being there. Um, so... I wish I was a fly on the wall in that conversation. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was a good conversation. Yeah. He, he was not pissed off about the video. I think he understood. Um, it yeah. was, and, and I understand his side of it too, of how the festival, how, we won't go too much into that because, right. uh, but you know, distributors weighed very heavy into why that festival existed and how that festival existed, which was a perfect segue in that conversation to him talking about this, this new idea that he had of, um, kind of shifting away from that idea of how to put together a beer festival and how do you put together a beer festival that really taps into those other people, those people that were laughing about it online that were saying, this is not, it's not Cincinnati seltzer because there's no Cincinnati seltzer. How do you get those people to uh, appreciate a festival, to enjoy a festival, to embrace a festival? And the only way to do that is to bring in people who are drinking the beer, not people who are selling the beer. Right. Um, we love all of you salespeople, but um, we don't want you to plan our festival because you're just going to plan it around sales. That's so right. he, he contacted both of us, brought us all together and said, I, I've got this idea. You guys pick. His words were the best beer in Cincinnati. Um, I will twist that a little bit and say some of the best beers in Cincinnati and let's put them all under one roof. Let's put together a festival that gets people excited about beer festivals. Exactly. Yeah. And, and when he approached me to, uh, you know, I, this was the point where I had no idea that, you know, the gnarly gnome would be working on me with this project. Um, and I was terrified because like I said, I mean, my, my, my blog, my webpage, my social presence has only been around for about a year. So I didn't want this in the entire beer festival to be on my shoulders because I'm like, look, we're going to sell five tickets and we're going to call it a day. Um, so when I, when I found out that Andrew was actually going to be in on this with me, uh, then it was really fun. And essentially what this is, is we want to stress that it's not necessarily the best beer in Cincinnati. It's a celebration of how far craft has come in Cincinnati. We're nearing... What, what would you say, 70 breweries? It depends on how you count it. Yeah, I mean... Wish. 70-ish. We'll say 70-ish. I mean, per capita, we're up there in, in the top five breweries, uh, top five city, brewery cities in the nation. 
And I think, and, and me and Andrew both think in our heart of hearts that, you know, we're among the best craftivist destinations in the world. So we deserve a festival like this. And it's really cool that two craft minds, two people that are really in, t- in tune with the beer scene, uh, were given this privilege to be able to reach out to breweries that we think we make really good beer. Not to say that everybody in Cincinnati doesn't make great beer, but, you know, pick, pick some of our favorites, pick some of the, uh, the the trendsetters so to speak and put them under one roof and really celebrate them well it's, it's putting together a festival where you know it's it, it may not be your your favorite beer may not be there but i your gar- your favorite beer definitely won't be there but i guarantee you'll walk in and you'll look at this this beer list and you'll be like this is fantastic <laughs> you, you will fall in love with a new every, beer guarantee and i'm not even not even beer let's let's stretch this a little bit everything that you will see at this festival is awesome for for very different reasons there are lots of different things happening at this festival and all of them are incredible you by the end of the night you may have consumed um (laughs) some kind of light crispy lager light american lager Maybe, maybe brewed locally. Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> it's there's there are things that you have the opportunity to try that will twist the idea of what a beer festival is. And I, I've, I've never seen anything like this, and I, I'm excited to be a part of it. <laughs> I well, here's the thing. I, I've been doing my research because I'm a researcher. I, I take that trade from my wife, unfortunately. <laughs> and I, I don't think that anybody has ever done anything like this. Um, I mean. Call it an imitational, call it the best of the best, whatever. You know, I mean, there's a lot of buzzwords that you can really label this festival of. But, you know, to the main reason we're doing this is because the Fulling Warehouse, um, Joe particularly, the owner, he loves craft beer. And he has over 100 different craft beers available, not just on tap, but in bottles, uh, in the cellar at all times. He's a, I mean, it's a huge craft beer destination. Right. I think a lot of people don't realize that. So this is really kind of a way to showcase that the Fulling Warehouse is a really fun time to go drink some beers, play Fulling, have a great time, but also a celebration of Cincinnati that all culminates at the same time. And we have a lot of little secrets and goodies up our sleeves that we can't wait to announce. So let's let's lay out the the basics of the festival for people. So your ticket, which is I think very reasonably priced at forty bucks, it's extremely reasonably gets priced. you gets you twenty tasters basically. Yes, uh, gets 20, 20, 20 punches on your your passport, your your stamp, card, whatever we're calling it. We're calling uh, tickets. <laughs> you get you get twenty tastes. Um, those tastes can be anything from the craft beers we have uh, available to some craft cocktails that we'll have available, uh, some seltzer that will be available. Any of that stuff falls into those little taster tickets. Beyond that, there are two little special punches on your, 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 your ticket. Those our mystery beer machine tickets. And that, and this is the exciting part. This <laughs> we, is the really exciting part. We right now don't know exactly what that's going to look like because we have to, uh, we have to, we got to raid some fridges. We got to, well, well, let's, <laughs> let, let's just talk about the dynamic behind the mystery, the, the infamous mystery beer machine. How does it work? So there will be a, uh, hopefully this week when you're listening to this, a video that walks you through the process, hopefully, um, depending on how, how much time my children let me edit videos. And we, we had a few when we made it too. So um, the production quality, we can't, we, we can't we guarantee. No idea right now what it looks like, yeah. but um, it is a, it's a, you guys have seen vending machines, a Coke machine. You know, you, you, you walk in and behind the bar is a, a Coke machine that's painted matte black with chalkboard paint that tells you the different, uh, uh, the different sort of beers that you can have. And they're all price different, and you just make your choice um, anywhere. And they normally. all have clever names too. Yeah, oh, yeah, it makes it makes the decision very easy. So, uh, what, what did you get today when we were uh, on on site? You know, scoping the. Oh, uh, the I always get the bottom of the barrel. So that that name is very different. Right now, <laughs> it is Cicada Swill. 
Um, do you feel that name is accurate? Um, I do not. I, res- yeah, I, res- I agree with you. Yeah. I respect yeah. some of those beers yeah. a lot. They uh, they bring me back to a very uh, distinct time and place in my life. Um, it's just fun. I don't. I don't. I don't know if it's fun that something forces you to drink some of those beers, even if you might not have picked it otherwise. Or I don't know if it's fun just not knowing what you're going to get. Like I'm, I haven't really nailed down what makes it so fun for me. I, I think I can kind of explain it. I, you know, when you were 10 and you had a quarter and you were leaving the grocery store and they had those little bubble machines. Sure. The just, you know, you want, you wanted the cool wrist slap band. Right. And you saw it in there. But you you always got the rubber little, dinosaur. Little rubber dinosaur. <laughs> how how did you know what I was gonna say? We must we must have shopped at the same IGA, dude. That's weird. Yeah, you always got the stupid rubber dinosaur, and you wanted the slap band, and that's kind of exactly what it's all about. So we're gonna hide some good stuff in there. We're gonna put some tricky stuff up our sleeves. We're gonna make it really fun, um, and, and that's kind of the entire vibe and the entire process of the mystery beer machine uh, it's one of our favorite things well it's it's the entire vibe of the festival too like we don't want it to be taken too serious like this is very serious beer the beer is fantastic but i don't want people to come in here and think that they're supposed to be swirling and sipping and writing notes and stuff i want you to come in and i want you to drink beer and i want you to try new things that you haven't had before i want you to have booze if you're not a booze drinker i want you to drink a seltzer even if you're not a seltzer drinker just for shits and giggles just like just try new things and just like these are things that we both vouch for um i think uh, we don't have the list nailed down exactly but as of right now i don't think that there will be anything poured that i think is shit I don't think. Would you ever go on the record <laughs> saying anything is shit? Um, yes, I might not tell you what is shit, okay. but I will say that if if you insist on something being on tap that I think is shit, I will say there is one thing here that is shit. Well, and, and I think that, <laughs> that goes back to, to the fun part about this festival is that we should both get one to veto. We didn't talk about that before. We should we should have like a veto. Like you want this, and I say no. <laughs> Well, I mean, we we've kind of gone over the, uh, the the general variety of things we wanted together, and I I don't think it even has to come to that. But that would be a fun just, game, and we we'll need run it, by Joe we just need sure. it just in case. Yeah, we'll get a stamp. We'll uh, just aggressively stamp stamp each other's uh, paper foreheads. But or wow, wow, getting the, the Spartan shit. Let's let's drink this other beer real quick because I'm thirsty and I finished my other one. So uh, what are we drinking here? I don't know. You picked you want, this one. Do you want me to uh, introduce it? Yeah. So this is called Dead Crush. Uh, this is also by Nine Giant Brewing, of course. This is a farmhouse ale, a saison. It is very crisp, a little funky, and you can really kind of taste that kind of smooth but citrusy character in it. Oh yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's these are quickly becoming one of my favorite styles of beer. Uh, if it's barrel aged, even better. And Nine Giant does that very well at the Firmatorium, uh, which, by the way, if you're listening to this and you haven't been to the Nine Giant Firmatorium, they haven't paid me to say this, but you should definitely go because they have some phenomenal beers over there. And freaking tiki cocktails. And tiki cocktails. Oh, that's dear right. God. It, is, it is as of right now, I'm sorry to Jacob Trevino, it is my favorite tiki bar in the city right Ooh. now. Right now. Wow. And that shifts and changes, but um, I freaking love what they're doing over there. Um, this beer is is incredible. I, for a long time, was not a huge saison fan. Uh, a lot of them were too uh, too Belgiany, mm-hmm. which this is definitely has that estery it's got a profile. Bit of that, yeah, but man, it just tastes like tastes like a uh, tastes like a field. <laughs> in, <laughs> a good, in the best, a, like, in the like best way possible. Field, like yeah, a like happy it, field. Yeah, I think it tastes like a it tastes like a summer field. <laughs> like I'm having a picnic on a, a in a summer field. Um, Please the, put that on the, the, <laughs> the, uh, the the wheat is blowing yeah, around me. I can and see the, it. The warm summer wind is blowing through my hair, and I'm just sitting there giggling and drinking heavily. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's what it tastes like to me. You know, I I was talking to uh, to Kathy, one of the partners between both Nine Giant and Copper and Flame, and um, you know, it was kind of funny. She agreed with me that they did they they do. Uh, farmhouse and saisons very well here, and that's a hard style to pull off. Um, not to mention, they have a uh, a barrel fest coming up, and uh, they have a lot of like goodies planned for that. Oh, so yeah. that's going to be a lot of fun. That's going to be a must go uh, for me at least because I, I think Nine Giant in such a small footprint, 
because we're literally we're elbow to elbow with oh, yeah. everybody inside this tap room, and they they somehow churn out this incredible beer. So um, I mean, kudos to them. Yeah. And uh, you know we're not we're not naming the list as of right now as far as things that will be on tap at the brewery, but I can tell you that there are things that we are pushing very hard to uh, to have available at our beer festival. We we want to hard. We want to have a great variety. <laughs> we want to have something for everybody. So we don't want to have sixteen hazy IPAs because that's the trend right now. We all get that. You know that's what. That's what the national trend is leaning towards. Uh, milkshake, sours, milkshake IPAs, milkshake, you name it, milkshake uh, saisons. Who the hell knows? Oh, look, what? my people are on TV. We saw a gnome commercial, everybody. It's the Goosebumps movie, I believe, and it's the, the gnomes are attacking people. I can see the reflection in the... the it's distracting me. It looks me, very my violent, people. actually. Um, as much as... Yeah, I want to... I want to talk about that a little bit. The the fact that 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 hazies or New Englands and things like that are becoming this trend and this this dominant force that is like just rolling through craft beer. Yes, I, I I'm not going to disagree with that. But if you look in the last like we'll say three years, how much hazy IPAs or New England IPAs have changed and how much better they've gotten. Oh, like 100%. It is wild. Like I remember when it first became kind of trendy and 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 uh, the thing. Like they they were they were shit. Like most of them were 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 terrible. Uh, and you go out there now and like not only for being marketed as hazies or New Englands, it's just becoming a different kind of IPA, like an American. Um, yeah. yeah, and and like yeah. it's it they're incorporating some of those characteristics of what makes hazy IPA great into just IPA and there are, there are some really cool things happening around that. And it, that's, what's fun to me it, is that you, you take something that is super trendy, be it a, a milkshake IPA is a good example. Right. And you start to, you, you take that thing that is so big and bold and off the wall and take the characteristics of it and refine it and kind of really figure it out. And then some stuff can come out that is like, there it is. I finally see it. And Seltzer, I mean, we talked about it earlier. Oh. Seltzer, I'm finally starting to see. It's a renaissance. Some of, those, yeah. some of those flashes of, oh, there it is. That's what it's supposed to be. Well, you, I mean, there's always game changers in every in every category, in every style. Um, we didn't even talk about this beer we're drinking, by the way. We That's right. <laughs> we got distracted. No, I, I feel like we did. Yeah, no, it's, it's called Dead Crush. It is a, it's a farmhouse ale, a.k.a. Saison. We, uh, we got distracted when I started yeah. talking about sitting in it, a field. Well, you, you, you also saw the, the gnomes on TV as well. But um, yeah, so Saisons have, have quickly become one of my favorite categories of beer. We kind of talked about that earlier as my palate has kind of upgraded over the years, you know. Uh, I feel like when you start drinking craft beer, you want all the IBUs to prove you're tough. Um, you know, you want that that bitterness. You get used to that bitterness. It's kind of like drinking coffee for the first time. It's like, well, I really don't like this. And the more you drink it, the more you adapt and the more right. you really begin to like it. Um, but then you really get into like the truer styles of craft beer, the Belgians, the the Saisons, the... Um, the American IPAs, I guess, I, I, from an American standpoint, right. um, you, you kind of it kind of takes your palate all over the place. And the more you drink craft, the more you really get to appreciate the different styles. And I think and it's one more reason why I think Cincinnati does the craft scene so well is because there's so many different categories that are so well represented. I mean, we have our own sour brewery. We have two breweries that do Bel that specifically do Belgian style traditional beers. We have a lager brewery. I mean, we, we have breweries that are just doing not necessarily one notes, but I mean, that's their bread and butter and they do it very well. And I, there's not many other places in the, in the country that do anything like that. Talking about Saison specifically, to you, what is a Saison? Like what, what makes a Saison a Saison versus something else? It, it, it's all in the yeast. It's basically that funky yeast. Um, it, it's a natural fermenting yeast that makes that kind of that 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 funky kind of yeasty taste to it. Um, and it's a very hard style to nail, um, especially when you started getting into the barrel aged saisons and the natural fermented saisons. I mean, those are the really fun beers to drink. Uh, we talked about Urban Artifact a little bit earlier. How they do? Um, it's, I, 
I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but I have like the entire vertical flight in my fridge. But it's basically a wild fermented IPA that they release every year. Well, so they're they're um, phrenology, I think. Yes, was, that so is. They it. don't Thank make you. it anymore. That's that, uh, Urban. It's, Come on. 2017 was the last year, and I have uh, they they recently released their cellar, right, which which I which I I immediately grabbed, and it's so much fun drinking them year to year to see how those little bugs you know, change the flavor profile, the color, the thickness of the style. And I, I think that's what I really like about Saison's is because, you know, it, 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 it's such a wide style of beer. Whereas if you drink a West Coast IPA, you're pretty much going to get a West Coast IPA. It's going to be very piney, very, very IBU heavy. If you drink a New England, it's going to be very sweet. It's going to be very alcoholic tasting in some cases if it's a double or triple um but saisons and farmhouses you know they're it's just it's such a wide category with so much depth to it i just i love the earthiness of it like it feels different than a lot of other styles to me like it feels like something that i want to drink outside i, mean, I won't mention fields but outside <laughs> like it just it tastes like it tastes like something that um ties the actual liquid to um, the historical process of that's, beer. If that's that, exactly if that what makes any sense. That's exactly what it is. I and, know uh, I'm going to get emails about this. No, People are going to give me some shit. Nobody, <laughs> nobody should be, and process. Well, and maybe food. about the fields thing. <laughs> but I mean, it, it's a hard style to pull off. It, a lot of things can go wrong when you're talking about wild fermented yeast. I mean, there there's so many variables. And, um, you know, it takes a really talented brewing team to make a good Saison, especially consistently. And um, we live in a city that, you know, I, I can name at least 10 breweries that, that make a damn good Saison. Right. What and gets Nine you, Giant's definitely one of them. What gets you excited about craft beer today? Uh, you know, what gets me really excited is, is that it, it's such an easy... It's such an easy... Uh, thing to get into you know when you and me were first starting drinking craft um you know there there was only so many things you know there there was the the sad sam adams seasonals there was the magic hat in the kroger freezer there was the uh sierra nevada pale ale um there was the rogue there was the you know sweetwater 420 there was there there was maybe five or six different headlining styles now I can go to Kroger and I can find an English mild by brain. I can find Esoteric Cream Ale. I can find Ryan Geist Truth, you know, one of the staple West Coasts of Cincinnati. I can find a thousand different hazy IPAs from different breweries. I can find six different lagers from different breweries. Um, and and so variety is that vari variety is the biggest thing right now. But honestly, to go kind of go back to the hazy IPA thing, I feel like that's kind of the bridge that leads a lot of people you know you start with everybody starts with like an easy drinking light lager budweiser bud light bush light miller light what well, we drank out of the beer machine earlier today you know i mean that's that's your maybe your first beer that's your first college beer in your case it wasn't you brought the mount carmel growlers I mean, it, was, it was still probably my first beer my first beer was still probably an mgd you right know, in grandpa's basement or something yeah but, and you're like i'm really not sure how i feel about this beer i loved and, it <laughs> well it was, some people else palates are different than others but you know you're just kind of like okay well you know i like it makes me feel good this is great and then you know it, it was a wider jump back then now you have so many different types of beer that bridge that gap. And I feel like a hazy IPA is such an easy beer that goes from a West Coast to a lager. It's just an easy transition to the craft world. And there's a thousand different beers that are offshoots of that same style that really make it easy for somebody to start drinking a domestic beer that their dad has drank their whole life, that their friends have drank their whole life, that their fraternities drank their whole life. And they're really just like, oh, well, this tastes a little bit different. This is made here. This is made locally. Well, I want to try this now. And I'm going to talk about this now. And, um, you know, and also the bartender education has come a long way, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, in some ways it, it has. In some ways it hasn't, though. Like, I, it used to be if you walked into, like, a craft beer bar, if they had craft beer, it was you, you had to educate people that sat at your bar because 
nobody knew what the hell that beer was. Whereas now um, you can walk into some places and they just assume well, it's truth. Of course, you know what truth right. is. You know, it's, you know, it's everywhere. You know, it's, it's the bowling alley around the corner from my house. It's, <laughs> it's everywhere. And in some ways, I think some of that, uh, that excitement about education has, has waned a little bit. Like you, you, I'm not going to walk into that bowling alley that has truth on and be like, Hey, what is that? She's like, I don't know. It's Rheingeist. Right. <laughs> you know, the, right. The, I've heard the, of them before. <laughs> Let's try that. You know, the, the, there are a lot of places you can walk into now that aren't going to be, uh, as um, as as quick to the education side as maybe somebody else who was pouring that same beer ten years ago was, and I I think that's what set sets breweries and tap rooms apart. You know the 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 GMs, the owners that really train their their beer tenders to understand the categories and ask people what kind of beer do you like to drink, and not judge them for it. If it's a Bud Light, then okay, well let's try our 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 local lager. You know that's made. It, right here in Cincinnati right. with better ingredients and it's going to taste better and you're never going to drink Bud Light again. And then, then that just builds the bridge slowly but surely into other different styles. Okay, so you like our lager. All right, so why don't you try our Hellies? Why don't you try our Schwarzbier? Why don't you try our Hazy IPA? Why don't right. you try? It's just, I mean, they're, they're, it, it's, just, it's just building that bridge into other styles. And I think that's really what's exciting about craft beer. And especially in Cincinnati, we have so many amazing breweries that are putting out so many amazing beers right now. Where does it go next? What's next for craft beer? You know, I, I think that people have been saying the bubble's going to be bursting for... I haven't years heard that and at all. years and years and years and years. I, I don't think it is. I, I think that brewer, I think that Cincinnati could probably handle another 30 breweries. And the and another thing that I like about Cincinnati is, for example, Warped Wing and Mason is a perfect example. Um, I talked to the Sonder guys. I talked to Dell over at 16 Lots. I talked to the Common Beer people. And they're excited. They're excited that this new brewery, I mean, not new by any means, because, I mean, they're, they're kind of like the Rheingeist of, of Dayton, so to speak. But um, I mean, this 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 brewery is opening up a satellite location in Mason, whereas a lot of other businesses would be like, oh, my God, they're coming for us. They're going to take all of our business. They're excited that they're just spreading more craft awareness for Mason. And it's really building Mason up as a as a craft powerhouse right now. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think that microbreweries, nanobreweries. Rising ship raises all tides. It, <laughs> thank you. Thank you once again, Danny. <laughs> Shout out to Danny at Sonder. Um, do you know how many times I'm going to use that quote <laughs> in the next year? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I think more competition is better because it forces breweries to collaborate and brew better beer and really understand styles more cohesively than they ever would before and each and what's really fascinating is each neighborhood each not just each city or not just like cincinnati as it used to be once upon a time literally each neighborhood has their own brewery and it's going to be their favorite brewery no matter what no matter if the beer is great or bad it's their brewery well when you you do get these pockets now places like mason that become these little mini destinations of like we don't we don't have to go to OTR if we don't want to go to OTR. We can go to the suburbs. We can go somewhere else and find this little tiny community within a community right. that gives us this place to go, this place to go. We can get away from maybe where where we are and try something new or just stay right where we are and have this little thing happening that's within this bigger thing of what... Um, what Cincinnati beer is. I, I, you know, I think the, the neighborhoods of Cincinnati are part of what makes Cincinnati so spectacular. And the fact that they all have these personalities and they all have this ability to create their own little destination. Like that's not like that in every city. No, it's not. No, not, I mean, not at all. And when you talk about Cincinnati, I mean, you could, you could, honestly include fig leaf in the conversation for Cincinnati because I mean, we, I'll it's, throw all of Middletown it, in there. Yeah, I'll throw rolling mill and new ales in there too. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I'm from Middletown. So Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to new ales and rolling mill. It's a joke. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, it wasn't so bad back in the day, but you know, I mean, 
coming coming from a small town and, and you know middletown was your prototypical industrial powerhouse back in the day right. and you know it's it's digressed ever since but now there's three breweries in a place like middletown the uh hamilton i want to say i i mean i can think of two fretboard and municipal and I, maybe i'm forgetting another one but i mean like these not necessarily small towns, but these kind of forgotten towns are being revitalized and they're being propped up by breweries. And that's, I mean, that's really exciting. Breweries are literally defining greater Cincinnati as a, as a, as, as a destination. Right. And, and, it, and it's playing off all of our other assets too, that we have like incredible parks, like, like a wonderful downtown uh, tons of nightlife. Uh, I mean, it's just, it, everything's just kind of just propping up each other and it's becoming a destination. And I feel like the rest of the nation's really starting to notice that in the last couple of years. I hope so. I, you know, I, I go back and forth. Like you asked me one week, I'm like, Oh man, everybody finally gets it. And then the next day, like, nobody understands us. <laughs> part of being a, a Cincinnatian or uh, a suburban of Cincinnati is that we've always got this chip on our shoulder. We always need to have some kind of chip on our shoulder. Well, I think, we're, we're I Cincinnati think that's sports. Are you, well, it's, yeah. sports plays a lot into it, but like, uh, it's, it's, it's not just sports. It's like our, you don't understand our chili. It's not chili. Like you just, you don't, you don't, there are things about Cincinnati that you just don't understand. You'll, you'll never understand because you're not one of us. And right. Like we, right. we kind of like revel in that, uh, that, 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 outsider kind of mentality of things. And yeah. I, I feel like we kind of always have a chip on our shoulder, I, but that's what makes us special. And that's what makes us just keep striving to be unique. But I think that plays into our beer too. Like, I don't think that we as a city want to have the same kind of accolades that a place like Asheville or Portland, Portland's either of the Portland's have. Like, I, I think that there is something that, there's something that's fun about not being Beer City USA. Like what? What? What a terrible title! Like what? You know, when we voted that last year, though, it depends who uh, on one website, yeah. one of those terrible listicle <laughs> websites. Um, it, you know, it. There's something about Cincinnati that like well, we know it's a better slope. than we know better than everybody else how amazing we are. Yeah, I mean, we, we, you and me, you and I know. I mean, I mean, obviously, it kind of goes back full circle to where we started with, you know, with with this whole beer fest curation that you and me are doing. I mean, we kind of have our finger on the pulse with what's going on in Cincinnati. But I, I feel like you're you're kind of making a point for like we're we're kind of like an underground uh, beer scene, and we really don't want to be mainstream because that's kind of what you know, it isn't cool. Right. Not that it should be that way. And I was having this conversation with somebody the other day and it's really sad because Bell's makes incredible beer. They have been making incredible beer for damn near 20, 30 years. Founders makes incredible beer. Sierra Nevada makes incredible beer. There's so many trendsetters right. that have come way before us. Like talk, we're talking like three times the amount of time that we've been brewing in Cincinnati. But, but uh, we walk right. Since, we've been bringing since I very long. Well, time. Well, yeah, not not <laughs> counting our 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 lovely heritage, but the the current the the current generation of brewing. But what's crazy is we walk right by these breweries in the grocery store. I walk right by Bell's. You know, they have a new seasonal release. I don't care. I walk right by Founders. I don't. They have a new brand new seasonal release. I don't care. And I go straight to Cincinnati Craft because that is what I want to drink. Right. And I don't know why. Uh, I'm sure that the Bells and the Founders and the Sierra Nevadas of the world are are incredible because they've been they, there's so much knowledge and greatness and brewing there. But um, you know, I want to drink. I want to drink local, and I want to try new things, and I want to support Cincinnati. Right. I mean, it's it's what to me it's a big part of what makes craft beer fun is is that embracing the people that are within your community, trying new things. It's, it's just fun. Like right. I, I not not to take anything away from Bells or any of those places. Like they make great beer, but I don't just drink craft beer because of the actual liquid. Like that's 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 a piece of it. Like a, a I'm a small, I'm a label small guy. fraction. I'm a I, I, I <laughs> but, browse by label. But 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 artwork, it is a another piece of it. Like it is something it is, there. Like yeah, the the yeah. aesthetic of a place is a piece of it. The the people. 
are a huge piece of why we go to a place over another one. Like it's, they're all these tiny little pieces of this bigger puzzle. Right. Shift gears one more time. So before, before we do that, uh, if people want to know more about the beer festival that we are planning, um, I'll put some links in the show notes. You can, you can click on links and it'll give you all the information. There's, there's articles all over about it. If you want tickets, go to the gnarly slash tickets and we can, uh, we can hook you up with some really awesome deals. There's some cool stuff going on. You can get tables, you can get there. There's, this, there's some awesome stuff going on. So go there and, and buy some tickets. Um, invite your friends, everybody hang out and, and, uh, spend, spend an afternoon or an evening. There's, there's a, uh, there's a thing you can add on to your tickets. That is an after party of sorts. We're calling it the kick the keg after party. Um, any of the stuff that is left over that we didn't drink, it's all going to be on tap at the bar and you can just drink a whole bunch of really incredible beer until it's gone. Well, or until they close. Yeah. I think that it's an insane value for, for 10 bucks. And there's a, there's a DJ and there's a full bar available as well. And I think it's open folding as well. Yeah. It's open folding at the, for so the, I mean, like uh, that's, that's the value of a lifetime. I mean, the, the, the ticket price for the entry level at thirty nine ninety nine is such a, a a modest offer at what you're really getting but what we what me and the gnome really want to kind of push and really embrace is that you know this this is you supporting an amazing beer city and regardless what breweries we pick or what beers we pick and what you you disagree with or you love we're doing this because we love Cincinnati and we love the beer that they're producing and this is a celebration of that. And everybody that is a fan of craft beer and a craft of Cincinnati or a fan of Cincinnati uh, needs to show up and also discover how much fun falling is. Because once you get oh there God, and you so see addicting. what this is, it's, it's, it's crazy. Uh, I mean, I'd pay $40 to full all day, uh, you know, alone without all the beer and all the crazy music and the food going on too. So I don't think you're allowed to full without beer in your hand. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's illegal in Ohio and you can be arrested on the scene. So do make you know, sure you have a beer. Do you know where falling came from? Uh, I do actually. It came from, I want to say Detroit. Detroit. Yeah. There was yeah. a couple, couple guys that were uh, tailgating for uh, something. And they created this goofy ass sport. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Yeah, well, I mean, so much you, fun when you put drunk people together with uh, with uh, you Here, know a garage full of things. You know, like what do we got? We got bowling pins, and we got like our cor- our son's cornhole table. Like, all right, well, we'll put them all together and pour me another one, and then you get and you get falling. And there's five. I think there's five locations now. Uh, Cincinnati is. Uh, as far as I know, one uh, very segregated from the rest. Uh, yeah, I think it's the only one in Ohio still. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but it's a growing franchise, and there's actually a league, like an official league, <laughs> like kind of like dodgeball, like like ESPN eight Ocho. Like I like I could see that oh, yeah. situation very very well, much so. You know, it, it used to be that cornhole was the joke, and it was that game that you just kind of played when you were drinking and then now it is on ESPN. Like it's only a matter of time before falling is on ESPN. Hey, I mean, guys, you get, you're getting in on the ground level here. <laughs> like we're training you to be future falling all-stars and we're giving you some pretty great beer too. <laughs> what's, pro- what's next for Cincy by the pint? Uh, you know, I mean, we're going to keep on doing what we're doing. Um, you know, we, we've been so busy lately with a lot of, uh, different projects. Um, we, what I can tell you is we have a, a special project going on the street side right now that I, I can't release too many details, but it's, once again, it's a celebration of Cincinnati and the people that reside in Cincinnati and lift up the brewing community. Um, and street side has, uh, kind of been that kind of cheerleader all along of community meets, uh, craft. So we've got something coming up probably in December to look out for that the, the gnome may also be in on. Um, but aside from that, I'm just trying to keep my head above water with <laughs> September and October. I mean, good God, there's so many things going on with Cincinnati brew culture. I, I can't, I can't cover all of it. You can't cover all of it. We need somebody else to rise up, you know, from the ashes to, uh, 
to get the rest of it. Absolutely. Yeah. You, I mean, you must be tired. I, I've been doing this for a year. You've been doing this for like six years. No such thing as tired in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and you have kids too, man. I don't know how you do it. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just rolling over. I just freshly married with the blog. That's just me. You know? Oh, I remember those days. <laughs> uh, the, the funny thing is like we used to, we used to argue. Like I can remember like those early days of marriage and you know, places like Nine Giant would be opening up and I'm like, I gotta I gotta stop. They got this grand opening and I, I gotta hang out there. And she's like, Oh, I just you know, just don't stay out too late. And I'm gone <laughs> all night long and you get home and she's pissed off. Like, you told me you were gonna be home in a like I remember those days. And those were the easy days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now wait, you you had two kids now, right? Yeah, two. Yeah, well, uh, well, congratulations on that. I mean, you know, two I kids, guess. two two kids, a, like a, a successful brewery podcast, a blog, and uh, being the gnarly gnome, not easy to do. So kudos to you. I don't think I could do it. But um, how do you know, how do people find you? Uh, yeah, so I so so cincybythepint.com would be uh, our our blog slash uh, website website, and then obviously on Twitter and Twitter we're not really too active on, but um, Instagram is where we do most of our content. Cincy by the Pint, uh, that's got all of our good stuff. We try to have fun. Well, I, I appreciate you sitting down. I appreciate all the work you've put into this festival, and I think it's going to be. I, it's going to be a festival unlike any other. I appreciate you, man. I feel like we have to do an episode too because we didn't talk about anything about the festival. <laughs> we just talked about how much we like Cincinnati and beer. That's, that's, so, that's what we do on the we're, show. Yeah, we're leaving that. We'll, we'll leave that a cliffhanger. If you guys want to know more about the festival, there's links in the show notes. Just click on them and we'll take you to all the information. And like I said, you can get tickets. Uh, Thenearlygnome.com slash tickets. If you like this show or any of the stuff I do, you know how to support it. Just go to thenearlygnome.com slash support. Because this show is sponsored by by you guys, you guys, you guys make it happen one way or another, and I appreciate that more than uh, more than a podcast can can tell you. This uh, guy, this guy works his ass off, so uh, show up for him, please. We will be back next week with more of the finest in Cincinnati's craft beer news and reviews and opinions and thoughts and. Let's be honest, beers. That's why we do this. Mostly beers. <laughs> Most, See you beers. next time, Cincy. <laughs> Cincy Brewcast. It's the voice of Cincy Craft. <laughs> <laughs>